Hello and welcome to A Light at the Crossroads, a podcast brought to you by Liminal 11, a mind, body and spirit publishing company with a focus on illustration and comic arts. You can find information on all our products, including our tarot decks, on our website, which is at liminal11.com. On today's show, we're going to be talking to Eleanor Tremere, an editor at Liminal 11, all about her career up to this point and how she became a part of the Liminal 11 team. Hello, Eleanor. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So from my research, I've sort of gleaned the idea that you're a freelance writer, editor, social media coordinator for a number of companies. Is that how you sort of describe your work and what you do? Well, right now I am working full time for Liminal, but previous to that, I was doing a bit of uh, social media stuff for a few companies, but uh, mostly um, working as a writer, uh, as kind of an entertainment and culture journalist and an editor. That was like, that's my career, essentially. The the social media stuff has been the way I pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just looking at your your sort of credits as a freelance writer, places like io9, Empire Digital mm-hmm. Spy, really good outlets to be involved with. Yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I09, I think I've written the most pieces for. Um, Empire did a few, and Digital Spy have done a few as well. Um, but Babel Magazine, I've written um, a bunch for and edited uh, quite a few for them as well. So that's the magazine for the language app Babel. So a lot of language and culture articles there. It seems like your sort of major focus or your initial focus perhaps was sci-fi properties star trek and and star wars <laughs> yeah uh star trek especially is like the main sort of topic <laughs> of, of most of my most of my pieces um i mean because i actually started i mean in my career in berlin i was working for a, a company called movie pilot which was an entertainment media website so um writing articles about a lot of different parts of pop culture, mostly TV shows and movies, and again, mostly kind of the nerdier ones. So a lot of superhero content, a lot of stuff on Marvel and DC and Star Wars. Um, Star Trek, I didn't write a lot about when I was there, but then the new show started airing, so I would do breakdowns, but I also wrote videos. Um, so a lot of a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of Easter eggs hunts <laughs> <laughs> and theories and yeah, stuff like that. I guess from a sort of entertainment journalist perspective it's been a kind of golden age if you are well versed in sci-fi properties uh, superhero properties like it's just been an absolute flood isn't it in terms of mm-hmm. like you know, obviously star trek new series reboots new not, not only just like a new trilogy for star wars but it feels like a, a new show or, or property is being announced every week, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, um, the last sort of 10 years have have really changed sort of pop culture. A lot of things that, I mean, it, it's been as like a slow, a slow development. Things that used to be sort of nerdier and more uh, for, of the remit of like fans and stuff are becoming more and more mainstream and Marvel, um, definitely really changed the game with uh, with the MCU to the point where suddenly we're all talking about this stuff and you will just be reading articles about superheroes side by side on your sort of uh, social media feeds with actual news and uh, that is yeah the stuff that we used to think of being a, a little bit kind of poppy entertainmenty kind of niche and nerdy is now just kind of every day uh, so there were so many um, entertainment websites that that sprung up 
about sort of, I guess, maybe six or seven years ago, and they just kind of increased and increased. Um, most of them using Facebook, Facebook as a platform, and that bubble really did burst because of some stuff, mostly because of Facebook and uh, the pivot to video. But, um, but I, I do remember when I was working for MoviePilot, just <laughs> it just seeming so surreal that the stuff, the fact that I had all of this knowledge about these really nerdy topics from my time as like a teen nerd on like forums and just having fun online and just getting really into all of these things and, and developing an encyclopedic knowledge for various DC characters or, you know, a bunch of TV shows that I used to watch like Buffy and Stargate and stuff like that. How, you know, even at the time I was like, I feel like this knowledge is going to be worth something someday. And then that ended up being my career. And the fact that I had this encyclopedic knowledge was a huge asset to my job and to my career. And at the company I worked for, we all had our specialisms. You know, there'd be someone who was like really, really good at comics, someone who was really, really good at like, like Hollywood news and the film industry, someone who was really good at celebrity, someone who was really good at superhero tv shows in in particular someone who's really good at like i was the star wars uh expert for a while and then we had a, a few other people who really really knew their star wars stuff and um because you know a movie's coming out and suddenly we need a bunch of articles about star wars theories we need really in-depth stuff we need someone to look at the trailer and find the easter eggs and the hints and the references that go back to this really in-depth old stuff that we all know about because we're huge nerds it was it was so wild and so much fun um and like i say that did kind of pop there are still obviously tons of outlets out there that do still run those kind of articles but um and if you're just reading them you probably wouldn't know but there are way 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 fewer than there were the the whole industry has has there was a bust and now the ones that are still plugging along are the ones that sort of survived that bust. Yeah, the rest of us were scattered to the winds. Even from a sort of a, a personal perspective rather than a sort of professional or sort of career perspective, it's been sort of remarkable for me. I, I've read like DC and Marvel comics for 40 years mm. and never at any point imagined there'd be any sort of cultural cachet to it. Mm. But suddenly... If people in like your friend group, if you're the comics person, suddenly people are like, is this going to be good, this film? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, probably, because it looks like they've cast it right and they've done some quite interesting things. I mean, I remember like a few years back, uh, I must have been like a post-credit scene, but like Thanos was trending on Twitter. And I was mm. like, Thanos from the Infinity Gauntlet is... <laughs> That's, you know, it's so remarkable to me that enough people would ever be talking about Thanos, who now is like just a pop culture character, isn't he? He's just another mm -hmm. uh, character that people uh, talk about. But um, yeah, yeah, just remarkable to sort of have lived through this thing. I mean, if I'd have told sort of 10 year old me that there'd be a Flash TV show that would go on for so long, I'd get bored of it. I mean, that's mm. remarkable. I love The Flash. No, I know. And, and yeah, no, it did take a dive. I liked that for the first couple of seasons and season three was, yeah, was work sort of stuff. but you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I should catch up on those. I haven't watched the last couple. I really love Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, I know this is going a little in depth here, but um, to you and to anyone who's listening, if you want like a show that is kind of, it's kind of superhero-y, but it's sci-fi-y and it's kind of time travel but it's like off the wall and fun and irreverent and really well-written. And it's both 
you know, it scratches the itch of if you want to watch something like that, but you also want to watch something that's like the antithesis of that and they're kind of crappy C-list heroes. So they're kind of underdogs. It's just watch it. It's really fun and it's really well written and not enough people watch it. Yeah, it's, um, uh, it's silly, which not enough superhero themes are. Yeah, exactly. So many things now just take themselves way too seriously or they go the other direction and they don't. Like, I feel like Marvel movies often, they're just too joke, joke, joke all the time. And it's like there's got to be a balance struck between the two, you know. As well as uh, the sort of, obviously, the the, the sci-fi content, I noticed um, amongst your, your credits, you sort of worked on digital promotion for I, Tonya. Oh, yes. <laughs> but that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, that's, you know, about as far removed as you can get in that it's sort of biographical, but like, you know, uh, was was a remarkable film. So it's, it's nice to sort of, you, you've sort of gone in with this sort of specialism and this knowledge, but then that sort of allows itself to broaden out so you can work on all different kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. And that, that was the nice thing about working um, within that industry was I'm in, I am interested in a lot of things. I'm interested in depth in these like sort of nerdier topics. I have my own sort of favorites. So Star Trek would be a personal favorite of mine, but I'm also very interested in the film industry as a whole. And uh, it was really nice for a while to really, to, to really be in the know with everything that was happening and to understand how start to understand like how the marketing for these things worked and to to play the game of oh well this movie's coming out but they ordered six months of reshoots and they used to focus on this with the marketing um, but when the movie came out the turns out the plot was actually focusing on something else and then you look at the the reviews and the reactions and you then you can compare that to how to the sort of the production history of 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 a film i really enjoy looking at it from this whole picture and so it was really fun as well to kind of to work within that to do to be involved sometimes in a little bit of the marketing uh it was fun to like comment on it as a writer and uh and think about it because it's, it's an incredibly fascinating industry with lots of different facets and um it's nice that a lot more of that is is coming to light and we are kind of more aware on the whole if we go to see a film it's it's more kind of I feel like more likely nowadays that if someone goes to see it, they might have an idea of how it was produced and who is doing it and a bit of the behind the scenes stuff as context, because we're talking about that stuff more uh, nowadays, which is interesting. I think like most things, obviously, the Internet has transformed mm. the consumption of movies, the consumption of, of news about movies. But as you say as well, also how movies are, are marketed, like it's a completely different uh, game to where it would have been sort of 20 years ago isn't it yeah definitely um it's 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 in your it's in your hands every day and the marketing has to kind of try and adapt to that and um you've got huge social media teams for every single movie uh, every single movie has a facebook page has a twitter has an instagram and uh, has to cover so many different levels and it's interesting seeing uh when they you can always tell when a company has employed uh the right people to run those channels because they're always the ones that have the, the best the most entertaining tweets and the ones that you know you have to strike that balance between using utilizing the humor of this like internet savvy generation and uh, not pandering to them at the same time because they will eviscerate you in a second if you <laughs> use a meme that is a little bit too oh I'm just like I'm just like you I'm like your friend uh, and you're not kind of self-aware then they will immediately post the silence brand meme in uh, in all of your replies so it's it's a fun thorny game to play yeah so Watkins happened because 
So I ended up moving back to the UK and um, my freelance career was going all right, but it wasn't, it wasn't paying the bills. And um, I thought I, I, I was deciding on where I wanted to live and where, you know, what I wanted my next move, move to be. And I did start thinking about Canada. Um, and I was like, well, in order to go there, I do have to have money. So I started, I started working at Watkins, um, which was interesting because the tarot kind of led me there. I, uh, I was given a tarot reading by a friend of mine at the beginning of 2018. Maybe it was 2019. I don't know. The years start coming and they don't stop coming. And anyway, um, he, he gave me a tarot reading and I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Maybe I want to get into tarot. So I started looking for a specific for what deck I was going to have. And I wanted the Morgan Greer, which is um, I think it's back in print now, but it had a point where it was a bit out of print for a while. And um, I called her, I rang around all of these um, shops and none of them had one. Uh, but someone pointed me towards, I think it was maybe Atlantis, uh, pointed me towards Watkins. So I was, uh, I went, I went to the shop, I actually went there on a date <laughs> and I was in the shop and they didn't have it. And I was like, God damn it. But I overheard someone sort of asking about a job and I was like, interesting. And I remember just like staring at the uh the, the covers of the online of the books on one shelf in particular I think it was in the secret society section just sort of casually listening in to see like what the details of this job was and uh the girl I was on a date with was like come on let's go have a look at the tarot decks upstairs and I was like no 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 just stay here just just one second <laughs> um so I sort of sidled over and was like hey you guys are hiring anyway so I ended up getting getting a job there and uh interestingly enough in like literally the second day or, or even the first day that I was working uh I was talking to the manager in his office and I saw on the table in front of him two new packs of the Morgan Greer tarot and I was like oh this is that I think maybe I ordered it when I was in here applying for the job and he was like that's weird because I don't know that that did come from an order but um take it so I was like great and that was it. <laughs> I put it in my locker <laughs> and bought it many months later. But it was really, it was almost like a sign from the tarot gods that I had gone in there looking for a tarot deck. And then <laughs> the tarot deck itself appeared the day I got the job. So I started working there. Um, it was so much fun. It's an incredible, incredible shop. And I have so much love for everyone who works there and all of our regular customers. And it really kind of, I've always been I've always, I was always a mythology geek. I've always been really interested in, in folklore and magic. Uh, I had like my teen witch phase when I was a teenager and I studied philosophy at uni mostly because I was brought up Christian and I couldn't, I was never, uh, no one could shut me up. I was always questioning everything. And then I was like, maybe I should just like study this <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> um, I'm not Christian anymore, but uh, it was, it was a good way to wet my went my intellectual whistle and um so yeah it was it was nice to kind of connect to all of those things and learn learn more about it and um, I started running the social media channels and the modern witch tarot was was coming out and I thought wow this would be really really good we have to stock this in the shop but online this is huge uh we should try and drive some if we're going to be stocking it then let's let's publicize the deck and hopefully we'll get some some more followers um, it seemed like a like a good collaboration opportunity, so I started doing a lot of publicity for um, the release and uh, ended up working with with Darren and getting in. Uh, we got Lisa to come along for a Q and A uh, at the shop, uh, which was hosted by me, and I like I was like persuading my bosses to let me do that, and then uh, I also got Lisa to write for the um, My Body Spirit, which was our uh, it's Watkins magazine. 
and um yeah it was a it was a really really fun time collaborating with liminal on uh, the release of of that deck and then it just absolutely skyrocketed in terms of sales became a bestseller instantly so it was just a really mutually beneficial situation for both Watkins and Liminal I think and it was fun for me so that was great <laughs> just to talk about uh, Watkins as a as a shop as well for people who haven't had a chance to visit or well, haven't heard of it before even it's in Cecil Court which is I think one of like London's greatest sort of hidden gems as a space isn't it? <laughs> yeah it's uh it's called booksellers row and there's it, it historically has this alley between leicester square and covent garden and uh yeah it's historically was the place where all the booksellers were uh now there are still quite uh there's there are a fair few bookshops there uh but there are a bunch of other kind of shops and antique shops and interesting things in that uh in that alley uh it there are people who run Harry Potter tours who claim that it was the inspiration for Diagon Alley. Whether that's the case, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so we get a lot of a lot of the Harry Potter people coming through. But uh, Watkins Books is an esoteric bookshop that it, it it's the oldest um, in the UK. It was founded in like 1890, and uh, I suspect that it's the oldest in the world. But it's difficult to say because occult bookshops, you know. They're a bit of a niche subject. <laughs> yeah. So there might be one out there that's older. Uh, that would be that would be cool. I would love to visit it, but I don't know of it. And uh, yeah, it's very, very broad. You have everything in there from like sort of there's there's your classic Western occult stuff. Um, there's stuff on, you know, British folklore and mythology and and paranormal stuff. I actually ran the paranormal section channeling, but then there's also um a huge Eastern philosophy section and it is the books there are very very well um, but well sourced and they come we stock them from all over the world and uh, we actually get people coming in from all over the world there is this um, yoga retreat place or some kind of I don't know in I can't in Indonesia or in Thailand or something and they actually come to they do like an annual trip to Watkins to get uh, all of like their kind of book supplies the point is it is we get people traveling from all over the world just to kind of use it because it it is this massive massive archive and if you need something it'll be from any of these you know vast topics and a bunch that i haven't even mentioned it'll be in Watkins, and it has a huge tire section as well i hear there's a, a secret society section of people can't take their eyes off it i mean <laughs> just in, in my general research and this is not related to Watkins uh, directly, but just something that I found uh, just fascinating. As a little aside, the the current sort of owner of Watkins, a guy called uh, Eton Ilfeld, is that correct? Eitan, uh, yeah. Oh, Eitan Ilfeld um, invented a thing called diving chess. Have you ever heard of this? <laughs> um, I feel like it was mentioned at some point. Uh, yeah, he's he's really been. into. Um, He's he's very into games. He's very into he's adult also the organizer play, of the, but that's not the mind Olympiad. Which there is, we go. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But diving chess is a form of chess where the competitors it takes place uh, in a, a swimming pool, and when it's your turn, you have to submerge your head underwater until you have a move. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'd never want to do it, but I'd, it sounds brilliant. Uh, it sounds like it would force people to think a lot quicker and uh, yeah. would really change up 
change up the gameplay. It's kind of like speed chess, but rather than the clock, it's like how long can you sort of hold you? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But um, yeah, what a great idea. Imagine inventing diving chess and owning Watkins. What a life. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a very Watkins thing to do to have invented some wild version of a game and also own Watkins. I mean, that's just the kind of off the wall eep that, <laughs> oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. But yeah, I get one. <laughs> Maybe there'll be a bleep. Yeah, I can beep it. It's fine. Eep. <laughs> I'll use that beep as well. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Another thing that uh, I saw you were involved with and looks like a a fantastic idea is uh, Watkins Wisdom Academy. That was something I was doing during lockdown. It's something that Watkins has. It's it's an online, there are a bunch of online courses that you can sign up for. And and Uh, as you say, uh, your work with Watkins puts Liminal 11 on your radar and put you on Liminal mm. 11's radar. And that's been sort of formalised now with your role as an (laughs) editor at Liminal 11. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, that came along um, after I'd already moved to Canada. So that was quite, I was like, oh, all right then. So I'm working <laughs> remotely from Vancouver and uh, it's it's delightful. I really, I really love it. It's it's so much fun to to write blog articles and, uh, and edit. We've got some wonderful things coming out soon. And uh, it's just nice to work in this to switch, switch it up a little bit from entertainment media. Um, one thing I was going to kind of say before is that I obviously my my career is in one direction and it seems like it's quite different from the stuff I'm doing now but I've always been interested in, in folklore mythology and all of this stuff and my degree in philosophy and and everything but for me like tv shows and movies they are modern day folklore they're modern day mythology if you look at the pattern of human behavior and, and culture across cultures um, uh, through history, we create stories and uh, we we invest in them. And that's it's not just a form of entertainment. It is also just how we understand life and how we understand each other. There is a, a, a meta psychological, sociological, but also spiritual element to why we create stories. And um, to me, it's all the same thing. Tarot is the same as Star Trek. Like at the end of the day, that's we're just playing with archetypes and forming them into new structures and stories and finding truth in them. You learn about um, occultism, the more you can see its impact on society and on, on storytelling. And there's, there is a flow of ideas from one to the other, for sure. Well, I mean, you can make a very strong argument that uh, contemporary comics were essentially reshaped by two magicians in the form of Alan Moore and, and Grant Morrison and their work in reshaping the, the mm-hmm. medium very much so yes people can find uh, more of your thoughts and uh, all of your upcoming work uh, on twitter you are extra tremereal would that be a yes. correct pronunciation uh yeah it's it's my surname <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's tremere is my surname not extra <laughs> I mean, that'd be a, a, heck, it's a heck of a surname. I, mean, I just use Tremere for, uh, for everything. <laughs> uh, so that's E-X-T-R-A-T-R-E-M-E-R-I-A-L. Eleanor, thanks so much for talking to us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been very invigorating. <laughs> thanks again to Eleanor for talking to us, and thank you for listening. See you next month. This show is a Holdfast Network production. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other programs you may enjoy.
I can tell you the anecdote of the time I made Michael Bay angry. Yeah. Michael Bay <laughs> transforms Michael Bay. I never actually met him, but I wrote this article. This is back when I was working at Movie Pilot. We had to write keyword articles all the time because we were trying to get into Google News and we were trying to get SEO traffic. And it was a very, it was a good strategy. It drove a lot of traffic to the site. But as an SEO writer, you'd like log in every day and you'd see your like five keywords that you had to write for. In Transformers 5, I had to write at least one article a week for Transformers 5 because it was a really popular keyword. And I was like, I knew nothing about Transformers. I didn't care about Transformers. So I got so sick of it that by the end, uh, I just, I was like, fine. I was gonna, I, I wrote an article entitled something like, three actors who won't be in Transformers 5 because they hate Michael Bay or something like that. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and or here's why these three actors hate him so much they won't be in Transformers 5. And it was uh, basically a breakdown of how badly he treated his female um, actors. Uh, so there was a lot of stuff in there about Megan Fox and um, their big falling out. But I was also detailing, you know, allegations that she'd made about like how he'd sexually harassed her. I pointed out that, you know, he met her when she was 15 and he put her heart like in this bra dancing in this like sexy scene in one of his movies and she wasn't credited. So, you know, a bunch of things like that um, as like a roundup. And then also um, I forgot the actress's name, but the actress that replaced her, how he made her for an audition walk about half a mile um, in stiletto heels in the desert in obviously scorching like 50 degree heat. Like he literally drove her into the desert, was like, all right, walk, and then drove half a mile away and filmed it as an audition. So stuff like that. Yeah, it was just basic. It wasn't stuff that hadn't been reported before. I was just compiling it in one place. And as it turns out, we had a deal with Paramount to uh, market the movie. So um, (laughs) he was not happy. We got this kind of call and... uh, I don't know. My boss was like, you made him really mad. He was yelling on the phone. He kicked a baby. I don't think any of that was true. I like the idea that I made him personally mad. It could very well have been that someone from the publicity department was like, um, what is movie pilot doing? They're supposed to be marketing for this movie. Uh, so we had to we had to do like an ego stroking article to make him feel a bit better. I think the article was literally like five of Michael Bay's best explosions. 